0: Welcome to the Triple V podcast. Welcome to the 29th of May 2022 VVV Town Hall. For those on our streaming services, this podcast is split into two parts. For a seamless experience, make sure to cue the second part of this podcast.
1: Uh, all right, uh, let me check the agenda for the. Uh first point here. So one thing which I want to change this time uh, for the VC session is um, let you guys talk more. I know you're more comfortable with posting the questions in chat, in writing, but I would really like those VC sessions to be more interactive. So um, if some of you guys would like to speak up over the course of this VC session to throw in a couple of questions, um, I would really be appreciative as I think it's an, yeah, important, it's an important personality trait to not just rely on you taking the most comfortable route of throwing everything in text and avoiding speaking up. And, you know, I, I can relate to this because a couple of years back I would probably be the one listening and not speaking up and not asking the questions in voice because I would be uncomfortable. Um, but... You will see that there's going to be a lot of improvements every time you sp- you jump over those small gaps where you feel some discomfort. So I would be greatly appreciative if uh, you know if you guys have questions, uh, just use the push to talk, speak, and interact with us. I think that's going to be beneficial for every one of us. So, the first thing I want to touch on is the uh, whitelist referral program. That's something which came to my mind after the way, uh, after the learnings from how we did it in Spectre, where in hindsight, uh, there was one member, for example, uh, his name is Hachi, and he brought in like four or five top people who now are also part of VVV and are some of the most value-adding people in in the entire server. And we had a couple of other people bringing in friends and family, so to speak. And every time, uh, most of the time that happened, it was really quality people who benefited the entire server. So instead of me doing like Twitter raffles and a lot of, like superficial marketing, where we just get in random people are looking for a flip. I would would much rather prefer to turn the thing around, and I, I haven't thought about the numbers yet. So this is all is all of this is still hypothetically speaking. But I would like that everyone has the ability to give away like one wireless spot to one person outside of the server or even inside the server, but one person who doesn't have the wireless role yet. And the only caveat for that is going to be that if you give away a whitelist role to someone, then you will be vouching for that person. Meaning if you bring in an idiot and he or she is going to screw something up on, or he's behaving like a, you know, like a fool and is making uh, the experience be, of being in our server less enjoyable, then you're going to lose your whitelist spot, right? So if the person you bring in is going to get kicked you're going to lose your wireless spot as well. So you will still have to be careful with who you bring in. And I don't just want to combine this with a risk, but I also want to um, provide you with a big upset of bringing in good people where, let's say you bring in one guy and the guy eventually qualifies for shark roll, then I want to tie that to a reward where, let's say, the first five people that get brought in by... Someone in the server who then gather these shark roll, those guys who brought the person in will get a thousand bucks cash, for example. Each. So not a thousand total, but everyone. The first five would get a thousand bucks each, so 5k total in price pool for bringing in the best people. And yeah I think to be honest, I think you guys know the best who you want to have in, your, in the server, right who you want to share the community with. so I would be very much open to giving like a big chunk of the total wider spots, maybe let's say we have uh, currently a thousand me- a thousand whitelisted members, so I would give everyone like one spot which they can give away, and then um they would have the upset of um potentially earning. Uh, like a thousand bucks if someone qualifies for the shark roll, or let 's say you bring in uh, someone who 's good and you know we um, we notice that the guy is providing value to the server but he 's not qualifying for the shark roll, just generally being a good person, um, then I think I would be open to giving an additional mint to those guys who brought those people in. I want to find a way where everyone is incentivized to Spread the word, but not in a way where, you know, like other servers do it, where you have like those invite ranks where, you know, if you invite a hundred people, you get something special. I think that's nonsense because this really is not about quantity. It's all about quality. So if you guys want to brainstorm with me about the best way um, to incentivize like a referral program, which is solely based around quality, uh, please free to do, feel free to do so. Uh, you can also do so after the VC session. If you have any ideas, please feel free to DM me, share them in the chat and uh, ping me. I'm open to everything. Uh, otherwise, I will just come up with a concept, uh, which is going to be similar to what I just outlined, uh, where you guys are incentivized to bring in good people. Uh, on the flip side, you will be punished for bringing in idiots because obviously we have to be sure that we maintain the quality of uh, um, But I, I mean, honestly, I I trust you guys enough to uh, only bring in quality people anyways. Uh, Okay. If there's no comments or questions, um, I will jump right into the next topic, which is the liquidity pool. And what that really is, uh, is something which I have used before uh, for a couple of deals, which uh, I closed in Spectre. Uh, One of them was, for example, Kingdom Raids and I believe for NFTFI as well. So in order for us to prepay all those two deals to the respective projects with which we worked at at this time, we had to come up with 175k in total to pay those. And we had some reserves left, like maybe like 20, 30k in the uh, treasury of the investment team. But it was nowhere near to pay those deals. And we also had too much time pressure to go around and raise the money from the community beforehand. So we had to find a way to, to buy the deal to secure it for the community and then raise the money uh, with some delay later. So what we did at that time was we, uh, what I did at the time, I got in touch with a couple of our whales. And I created a separate uh, provider channel in, in a new server where those whales had the ability to provide us with a a loan of, I think, anywhere between like 10K and 25K. And then um, they would get interest on the loan and then they would get paid that loan back after eight weeks, for example. And I think that was all arranged like in anticipation of the launch of Spectre at the time. And it worked worked really well. Uh, We took out a, a loan of, I think, either 150k or 175k from those whales. Uh, We paid them back after eight weeks and we paid a substantial amount of interest. Not because they asked for it but because for the very first round I wanted to make it as attractive as possible. And right now we don't have an urgent need for liquidity but I wanted to touch on the possibility of providing such a service for the whales or to give them the opportunity to provide us that service uh, and earn interest just in case that we might need it um, for one of the next deals and right now there's no need for this Uh, I prepaid a bunch of the allocations which we have lined up which is fine for the time being uh, but if there's like a big deal lined up on which you have to move fast and on you know where it might mess up the current schedule for some of our deals, um, then I might get might come back to this and I might ping the whales in our whales channel um, and offer them uh, the possibility to provide us with a, a certain amount of liquidity <clears throat> to close the deal and then they would get pay- paid back uh, probably in a pretty short period of time of like three to four weeks. And I'm not saying the thing is uh, without risk, but generally speaking, um, since you know, you've know you seen so far how uh, which deals we picked and how well we filled them up with the community or how well we distributed the allocations amongst the community. So um, <clears throat> I think it's a pretty short risk bet in terms of <laughs> lending out, for example, 50, obviously not a single person, but lending out a total of 50K and then waiting two weeks until we announce the deal for the community, wait until we have collected the 50K, and then uh, pay the loan back. So that's the idea behind the liquidity pool. It has worked well in the past, and I think it's going to work well uh, going forward. Obviously, after uh, July 1st, after we have had uh, the mint, and after we have um, generated uh, a sizable amount of revenue from the mint, the the need for the liquidity pool is probably going to be less because we will have a, a, a good chunk of money in the treasury as well. Um, but I just want everyone to be aware that this this is something where we might have ever, every now and then, we might have an opportunity for you guys to earn interest and for us to um, retain some of, of the liquidity ourselves so we don't have to prepay the entire chunk ourselves. Okay. Uh, the next thing is probably the most exciting one. or uh, Maybe exciting is the, the wrong word. Maybe the most uh, the, the point where you guys might be the most afraid of. Uh, which is the whitelist purge. And that's something which I learned from, yeah, I'm not going to say the name, but which I learned from a call up with a blue chip community uh, where I felt the need to kick off probably like half of the entire community from the whitelist. And um, they didn't agree, obviously. Um, and that caused a lot of, <clears throat> yeah, a, a lot of friction at the time. So now I want to be upfront with with the possibility of the whitelist being cleaned of those who shouldn't be on it. <clears throat> so I just want everyone to be aware that um, over the course of the next like three to four weeks, like probably up to like one week before mint date, we are going to use different metrics to see which people don't contribute at all to the server and contribution can be done in a variety of different different ways uh, i definitely don't want to go around and punish people who just um, sit in silence and enjoy being here and enjoy participating in all those deals that's certainly not the point of this so we will look at ver- at a variety of different um, aspects of this meaning Let's say, and I know we have a couple of those, um, let's say you're a person who bought into a couple of our deals, but has never sent a single message in our server. You know That's completely fine. I don't need you to talk to me. <laughs> I, I don't need you to interact with the other community members. If you're cool with just taking advantage of the deals we bring, that's completely fine by me. So no one is going to be punished for being silent. But And then obviously we have the U.S. folks who cannot... Uh, participate in any of our deals Um, and then they might have also maybe less incentive to be active in the community but i mean you guys need to be aware that we need to see some sort of an engagement of you in our server because if you're not participating in the deals and if you're not being active in the server you know it might be very difficult for us to judge whether or not you will actually be participating in in one in one form or the other, once we have the US folks integrated, uh, when we have the crypto fund up and running. So, um, yeah, just be aware that we need to see some sort of engagement in, in any of the events. You know, it, it can be if you're not that, uh, you know, if you're too busy to participate in the community, then maybe attend a couple of the AMAs, right? Uh, we will have different ways of um, measuring participation. But the way we are going to do this is definitely going to expose the ones who are not supposed to be here, who maybe got on the whitelist by mistake or maybe, you know, they got on it by by chance. Um, So we will be aware of those who don't deserve to be on the whitelist. And I'm saying this because on the the past project I worked with, I, I saw that this was one of the most detrimental things for the floor price. And while the floor price is, you know, to me is not important, or let's say, let, let me phrase differently. To, to me, it's not something where, to me, it's not financially important, right? So, whether the floor price is like one ETH or 100 ETH, to me, makes no difference, right? Uh, it might make like indirectly through the royalties, but to me, it's not that big of a, a thing. It, it's important for me. Maybe from uh, a perspective of prestige, obviously I would enjoy the floor price being uh, 10 ETH instead of 1 ETH, right? Just because of the prestige, but it's not that big of a deal for me. But I know that it's a big deal for everyone who bought in or to everyone who minted. And I certainly want to avoid that we give away like 200 wider spots to someone who is then just going to dump the entire thing as soon as they can, right? And Even worse so if there has already been a floor price which has been established and now everyone sees, hey, that mint is actually worth something and now you have people trying to push in just to get that that delta between the mint price and the current floor price, right? And I've seen this happening live and I know... And you know, there's different opinions on on what was the right decision at the time because I wasn't as upfront with the possibility of people losing the wider spot as I as I am now. Um, but in my opinion, this was one thing which really, really hurt uh, the community. And I, I want to make sure that the way we do this this time, we do it in a way where. And obviously, you know, I'm not promising you that the the fucking thing is going to be worth anything more than the mint price, right? I mean, that's all up to you guys. That's all up to the open market. That's not something where I can make any promises. But I'm. what I can say is that I've learned a lot from, and you know, admittedly, some of my own mistakes in the past, and I know how to do it better. And I also am more agile in my decision-making at the moment because I can call all the shots myself. So I'm also not afraid of, Let's say only minting half of the collection, and then just waiting with the other half until we have more people who actually deserve to get that mint. I'm not in any rush to fill up the entire 5,000 uh, whitelist spots with with volume just to get the entire thing filled up. Right? I, I have absolutely no issue uh, with just giving and giving away is the wrong term, but giving away the whitelist uh, spots to those actually deserve it and then ha- have the floor, floor price be established by the most loyal or the most dedicated people who actually earned their spots and then fill up the rest later on uh, through various different areas where people have to qualify first as holders before we actually give them the, give them the, um, yeah, the prestige of becoming a, a member and buying, being able to buy in with, with, the, with such a low mint price. And I'm happy to hear your guys' uh, thoughts on this. Uh, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I can make the decision myself, but obviously I would much rather make decisions which you guys approve of, right? And I'm I'm going to take a moment to read through our chat here um, to be aware that I'm not missing anything.
0: And also feel free to just ask questions in voice as well. Don't necessarily have to Yes, please. Yeah, and i know we have some big friends just going back to the referral program who
1: their first thought is to bring in their second discord account and, and the new wallet right <laughs> i mean that's not going to work trust me I, i'm going to notice uh if there's any connects between the wallets i'm going to see um if there's yeah i'm not sure if we can track the ip addresses but i'm sure we can find various ways in which we can expose those who try to bring like a quality <laughs> second account of themselves in. Uh, I mean, yeah. Ideally, you don't even try, so I don't have to go through the troubles of exposing you. Uh, yeah, someone is talking about uh, KYC from BlockPass. Um, it depends if you got the approval email uh, from... Oh, no. Okay, so yeah, yeah. I have to extract. <clears throat> so if, if you have completed BlockPass, um, I have to... So if you completed block pass recently, uh, I have to go back and extract the newest approved wallets first. And I also have to go back in and approve uh, a couple of guys manually. So please bear with me. Um, I'm going to do another round of approval um, before the Orchid deal. So you will be ready uh, to invest once that starts uh, tomorrow. Uh, yeah, brilliant We are re- recording. We always have the Dino bot in. Uh, who's recording this session. Um, Yeah, so IBAM is mentioning that um, there needs to be some um, system for the referrals um, where the person referring can actually prove that they brought the guy in. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I can see when people... And then it would be... Probably be sufficient if one guy tells me he brought him brought someone in, and then that guy tells me, "Yeah, I wa- I was brought in by this guy." Uh, I think that should be uh, sufficient. Yeah, I agree. the The floor price is not important per se, and no matter how, I mean, you know, no matter how much value we provide with BBB, at some point someone someone is going to buy in at the peak, and the you know depending on current market dynamics, the floor price is going to to fluctuate always, right? So there will always be someone who's going to buy in at the peak and then is going to lose some money uh, by the floor price uh, maybe getting down again. Uh, nothing goes up forever. So, yeah, there's always that caveat, right? Yeah. But my main purpose with building VVV is that your gains or your value increase does not come from the nft the nft really is just a means to a different end the nft is just the access to the server and then to the investments and i understand that there will be people buying uh or minting five vvv nfts there will be people buying uh five nfts on secondary market because you're hoping for a value increase of the nft Uh, and i I respect it a lot uh, and I you know to be frank I, I also like that people speculate on our success because I have a very strong conviction that we will be successful. Um but just be aware that I'm not going to like focus on artificially influencing the floor price. Uh, I, I'm currently uh, exploring a couple of different avenues, um like potentially staking uh the VVV NFT. For a fixed period of time, in which you then can participate in the investments, instead of just leaving it uh, idle in your wallet. Um, so that might be a thing, because um, you know, given the the past learnings, I think it might be better for the community if people actually have to um, commit to to being here. Um, but I'm open to to discuss this as well with the community. We still have uh, a lot of room of um, adjusting for the best possible solution um, for everyone involved. Yeah, and just give me a few seconds to read uh, through the recent messages. Oh, someone is asking about um, some potentially leftover deals. <clears throat> Let me check how much we have left for Godzilla, for example. Yeah, so in Godzilla, we have uh, 7k left in the open round. And in the Wales round we have n- almost twenty K left. And to me that's completely fine. We were we were in no rush to fill out the entire location. And I also didn't announce the, the D gen round yet where people can uh top up on the previous max they invested. Um at this point I would probably prefer to just leave it open for a while, uh especially for the new members to come in, so they already have a, a value add right away. Um, and also for those who have been waiting for the KYC approval, um, I would prefer for them to um, be able to claim their locations first before we uh, let the degens roam free and claim the rest. Someone yeah. is asking about how the tokens are going to be distributed. Um, it's going to be manual. Um, it might be semi-automatic uh, eventually. Um, so, what I'm looking at at the moment is um, let's say uh, for Godzilla, for example, we have the, the first unlock of t- 2% at TGE. Um, then, what we could have is like a multi sender where I send those 2% to, and then it gets distributed to all the wallets uh, which have been added to the multi sender. Then, it would be sem- semi automatic. Uh, the reason why I prefer to have it like not 100% automatic, where you have the smart contract address in the soft agreement already is just because of the possibility of the smart contract being compromised or, you know, the dev who's setting it up, leaving a backdoor where he can extract the tokens that to me, that's too big of a risk. I don't want like a, uh 250 K investment, which is then worth like maybe 25 million to be vested into a smart contract over which I don't have any control over where I'm also not uh, an, as uh, a, I'm not a dev. I'm not a contract expert. Where there could potentially be something wrong with it, and there could be, uh, you know, the um, something which is sending the tokens to different addresses and not to the ones initially set out. And the likelihood of uh, a cold wallet uh, getting hacked—I uh, mean, if you're smart, right—the um, the likelihood there's almost zero. So I would, would much rather send out uh, those chunks of vested tokens like manually and then ideally into a multi-sender where it just gets distributed accordingly and then even if at some point that smart contract of the multi is compromised you know all we lose is like one chunk of vested tokens not the entire location to, to, you know and maybe i'm paranoid because i'm not an expert in in, in the in the contracts but to me this is <clears throat> i think more uh sensible okay Squaba, uh can you elaborate on your question a bit more so i understand
2: yeah. it correctly yes sir um so uh i i know that different things have been weighed as far as like I, I saw the um the form go out in general about the possibility of if you have s1s versus if you have the quantum pass Um, And I guess this gets into the idea of whitelisting and how many passes would go out versus how many you would wait to add, um, you know, new valued investors. I guess my question is, is if we were going to, if you were going to hand out multiple whitelists or multiple passes to those who carry like say multiple S1s, so I have multiple S1s, is that. I I could see that being a value proposition if each of those passes included with them a piece of allocation of how much you could put in. And then people would have to really do the calculus of, do I really want to sell the NFT versus do I want to keep how much I could put in? But at the same time, if there wasn't any additional value, there would be the question of, well, in, in some ways, you have those who are most loyal to the project holding the floor on the NFT, although I know that's not the primary concern. But like you said, the uh, you know it, it at least reflects positively on the project. Do you have thoughts about whether to give multiples or whether to hold them back and how to control the outflow of those NFTs once the project launches so that they don't dump onto the market or are there ways to maybe you the staking mechanism that you were talking about is a way to incentivize folks to really hold on to the, the NFTs that they get through either um, loyalty or through holding additional pieces. Um, I, 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 I would be interested in obviously supporting the project in whatever way. Um, but I, I was wondering kind of what thoughts you had about rewarding, one person with multiple NFTs versus waiting and and putting out more just when you had more valuable, um, additional yeah. valuable members.
1: Yeah, gotcha. Um, so the multiple NFTs are obviously not going to be worthless, right? I, I don't want to. I don't want the only reason why I'm giving someone more than one NFT to be me hoping that that person is going to hold them, you know, just for the sake of holding them. So um, what we will do is we will grant those holding more than one NFT bigger allocations. But I'm not sure yet on the multiplier which you are going to put on, um, for example, holding two NFTs and three NFTs, whether that's now going to be like twice the allocation size or whether it's going to be a multiplier like 0.12 or something like that. It has to be uh, a compromise between value to the holder and potentially value extraction from those who only can afford one, if that makes sense. So I I don't want those who can only afford one to be discriminated, for example, because everyone who holds like five has bought up the entire location already. So it it needs to be reasonable, um, but I definitely want to make it – rewarding to hold more than one nft and uh, there will be a limit to this i don't want people to go out because there's a reason why we have to whale nft right uh we want to disincentivize one guy holding like 20 or 30 nfts to me that's that goes against the concept of fair distribution and um making the barrier of entry uh low enough for regular folks to get in so yeah, we need to find the balance. I think there will be like a limit of maybe holding like three or five NFTs. Where that's where you max out uh, the total allocation which you can get. And um, yeah, then we have to talk about the multiplier, whether or not that's going to be like a point one increase on your allocation, or whether that's going to be um, a, a more notable increase. Um, but I will come up with something uh, which makes sense and which is not going to be a detriment um, to the project going forward and, and maybe in addition to that because someone asked this uh, previously how the deal or how the claiming is going to look like um, once we have more people in the server so right now obviously it, it's it, it's pretty easy uh you know <laughs> okay uh, with the exception of single doodle maybe which was sold out in like two minutes uh but then on the you know on the uh, on the next round I think we had like two hours at some point so it was hopefully enough time for everyone to get in um, that being said right now I think it's fairly easy to get the allocation and I know people are afraid uh, to a degree that this might change once we have like twice or three times the members in here um, that things might be sold out even quicker and that, that there might be more of a fight to get their hands on the allocations Um But we will also start doing bigger deals once we have more people. So as we grow, uh, the allocation sizes are going to grow as well. And for Sneakerdoodle, for example, we could have committed to like probably like four or 500 K right away and we would have got it. Um, But I mean, it's too big of a gamble for us to to commit to such a a huge amount. And then the demand from the community might only be 200 K and then you look like an idiot and then, you know, you might lose the entire allocation. Um, or you know they might burn your future relationships with other projects as an as an investor because you you weren't able to hold up your uh, your end of the agreement. Um, so I don't see any issue uh, with us getting uh, big enough allocations every time to accommodate uh, two, three, four, five thousand people. Uh, I think that will be fine. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. No worries. Okay. Someone is asking around um, potentially like a staking time. Uh, What I have thought about is just making the staking uh, like a fixed period of time. For example, you want to claim an allocation, then you have to commit to stake the NFT for six months and you cannot unstake for the next six months. Um, To me, I think that makes, and I'm open to discuss this, but to me this makes more sense. Because I want people who have actually faith in what we're building. And let's say the, let's say after the mint, the NFT is worth one ETH, for example. If you can commit to staking like 3000 or whatever ETH is worth at the time, like 2000 bucks for six months, then you have a, a fair, I would say a fairly high conviction in us providing you with more value than those 2000 bucks. Or you also have conviction into those 2000 bucks being more, being worth more in six months. And I think that's a pretty good thing. Um, or that's a pretty good dynamic to have. I'm not sure if, because I've seen the, the thing with the longer staking times and multipliers, I've seen that concept in Neo Tokyo and I'm not sure, I'm not too sure if I like it that much.
0: If I may jump in, I saw a question relating from uh, Drake N saying a legit reason to want to second or multiple NFTs slash accounts slash wallets is the case that one gets compromised and you can ma- maintain redundancy and be able to continue on without complete devastation. So if you could keep that in mind while ruling on whether or not one person can have multiple, I assume, Discord accounts, that would be sweet. I mean, if I remember correctly, within the block pass itself... There's a link, of course, to your wallet, to your ID, and then to the Discord name, correct? So there's a way that if your Discord were to be compromised, uh, we could definitely arrange, again, forgive me if I'm wrong, correct me if I am, so there is, I'm sure, a way for us to then be able to fix that in the back end uh, if you were to contact us on another account and then prove that that wallet is you and kind of reapply yourself on that block pass.
1: So are we talking about someone's, discord or someone's wallet being compromised I,
0: I believe I think the discord
1: um, well I think for discord it's difficult because it, it's going to be difficult for someone who got compromised to prove that they are actually the guy right
0: uh well that, that's what i was asking if there i can't remember again it's been so long for me with the block pass is there any information provided on block pass relating to the discord account be that the name or whatever uh, okay. else so
1: yeah i i think what, <clears throat> one thing is which is probably going to be the easiest is uh on block pass excuse me not on Blockpass. uh on, on prement um you also get your ah uh, but that's also a good point regarding okay so there's two avenues here Excuse me for, for rambling, uh, but there's two different solutions to this. Since so, if you're KYC'd, then it's not a problem at all because then we actually know who you are. So all you have to do is like contact me with your actual real name, <clears throat> and then we can grant everything to that uh, to the new Discord uh, profile. That's fine. Um, if you're not KYC'd, but if you completed premint, then your Discord handle is at least attached to your twitter account as well so then in this case your discord and your twitter would have to get compromised for you to actually lose something um now i'm not sure if i understood correctly but i think that person was also asking um about the multi-mint when you have different wallets and hold not multiple nfts in one wallet but like one actually like five nfts in five wallets but maybe Maybe whoever asked the question, uh, maybe you can reiterate
0: uh, if I understood this correctly. Yep, I just pinged it again. So drake N just said, either the Discord or <clears> both <throat> wallet. Uh, I was talking about wallet, though. Manage a second wallet with a second NFT could be a good idea.
1: Uh, okay. Excuse me uh, for following up. But Are you asking um, about holding the VVV NFT to claim the allocations? Or are you asking
0: around the whitelist process right now? up Again, uh, Draken, if you're more than happy to just use your microphone as well, that that would be great. Uh, again, no pressure though. Yeah, and while we're at it and waiting for Drake to t- type his question out,
1: I'm going to take note of uh, Squaba, who was the first person to speak today. And you will get the first of the $100 prepaid Snickers allocations, uh, which we're giving away today. And I'm I'm probably not going to give the locations away to people who don't talk today. I mean, we did this the last uh, two times, and we gave away two thousand bucks already. Um, if you w- want to get uh, your hundred bucks today, then you will have to talk.
3: Uh, hey guys, I had a question. Yes, go ahead. Um, so, I know a bunch of people I invested in Neo Tokyo with, and all of them are mostly in the U.S. So uh, I had a question if uh, there's going to be anything uh, for the U.S. folks um, in the future. um, You think there's going to be a workaround for the allocations for them or is it's it's only the hedge fund for them?
1: Yes. So we have a solution. So the the answer is yes, uh, with a small caveat here. So for the hedge fund, the solution is fairly easy. Um, and the hedge fund is going to, and you know, just as a disclaimer here, hedge fund is the the wrong terminology. I, you know, I'm just using hedge fund because I'm getting used to it. the The actual terminology would be a crypto fund, right? We're, because we're not leveraging money which we get from banks. <coughs> we're just investing the actual funds which we have. Um, but the way this is going to work um, is there will be an option for. Non-accredited U.S. investors to invest in that crypto fund, and that crypto fund is always going to get you exposure to every single deal which we bring to the community as well. So the the project going forward is going to be twofold. So you will on on the one hand you will have the um, the fund, and on the other hand you will have the VC, and through the VC, if you're a KYC, you can more or less keep investing and try to outperform the hedge fund or you can try or or you can get more exposure to projects which you really like. And um, on the hedge fund itself um, you will be able to invest even if you are from the US even if you are non-accredited Inferno is already working on a solution there and you will not be able to pick those individual investments Um, that's just the thing which comes with the fund but you will get the opportunity to gain exposure to all those single deals, so um yeah let let me know if that answers the question
3: um yeah that's that's pretty helpful because uh, I guess like all of them have been watching that everything Neo Dokio puts out, and like you know i would I would put them in the basket of like quality people, but it's just because like they are not accredited investors, I've not been able to get them in. Um, now the second question is that uh, would the hedge fund um, sort of have an equal allocation for all the projects or how do you see it like whatever the fund is right if not the hedge fund like how is the allocation going to weigh for each of the uh, allo- new projects
1: yeah you mean how 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 the total funds of the of the fund would break down uh, for the individual projects right
3: like if you say if I put thousand dollars, so like um how how would you invest it and then like something so, something along those lines?
1: Yeah, so one thing to keep in mind for for the fund is that we, we are currently building a board of directors for this. So we will have a variety of actual conventional financial experts on our board, but we will also have crypto experts who have built successful projects before, uh, and you know one potential candidate, uh, and you know not, nothing is confirmed yet, but at least he has expressed his interest. Uh, was Eticus from Snigodul, and these are the kind of people we want to get in. We want to get in people who have accomplished a lot already in in Web 2 companies uh, like PayPal, for example, and are now in Web 3, and either have already launched uh, a greatly successful company or they are about uh, to launch something where a lot of big institutions are going to attach their names to. And this means that for the hedge fund investments, it's not necessarily always going to be us who are making the decision of how everything gets distributed. So, to me, that makes sense because the more experts we have on the team who have a, a previous track record of creating returns or creating revenues for people, the Bigger the likelihood of us that we are maximizing the success of the fund and the returns for the investors. Um, So to answer your question, um, I I cannot predict how, let's say you, you invest a thousand bucks, how that thousand dollars is going to be distributed amongst the different projects, especially because when you buy the hedge fund NFT, not all those deals might already be lined up. So what you will have to keep in mind is when you, uh, when you buy the hedge fund NFT that you will, and, and it might, it might not be true, but the, the assumption which you should make is when you buy the hedge fund NFT is that you're not going to have a say in how your funds are then going to be distributed. And you will have to rely on us making the best investment choices for all the investors. Because here on, on the fund, you will have two parties who have invested. You will have like approximately half of the total funds, which come from the NFT collection. And then you will have another, another half, which is going to come from the institutional investors. And we will have agreements with like with the institutional side where they don't have any say in the kind of investments we take and the kind of risk we take. So everything, all those decisions will eventually be up to us. And. You know, Obviously, our intention is to create the most returns for everyone involved, for the institutional investors and for those guys who bought in through the NFT. And, um, yeah. and I think that's an interesting part because then you have the, the VC side of BVV where you can still get the exposure to the individual deals. And if you feel like you're underexposed just by having the hedge fund NFT uh, because the breakdown for that single project might be too low in your opinion, I mean, then please go ahead and double down on it and increase your exposure right um but you should be able to rely on us as the the ones running the hedge fund where we are doing or we are making the decisions which are which have the, the greatest likelihood of maximizing the returns for all the investors
3: um yeah that's that's pretty helpful so i i have like some personal experience investing in a crypto fund um the company i invested in was called. Uh, Invector's uh, something, Invector's Capital or something like that. So um, the uh, they had uh, a token which represented the fund. And then say you topped up your initial investment. And then based on whatever the token value was for the fund on that day, you got that many more tokens based on how much ever dollars you uh, topped up. So, how do you see uh, VVV working? Do you see like you buy a hedge fund NFT and then that comes with thousand dollars of allocation at once, or do you top up as and when you can put more money?
1: Okay, um, <clears throat> then let, let's do it this way now. Um, since we've you know we, we've jumped a little bit around uh, around the topics uh, which we're discussing at the moment. I had lined up uh, that exact topic which you're just asking about for the very last point but then let's make this the point for now so let let me give you the overview of of the hedge fund and how it's going to work um and that should answer your question um because to me to me it's 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 very straightforward it, it's quite complex just by the nature of it but there's none like there's no um there are no mechan- uh, mechanisms in place which make it more complex than it has to be, if that makes sense. So it, it's sli- slightly complex by nature, but the entire concept of the hedge fund should be fairly easy to understand I, once I have explained it. And it should also answer your question. Um, so let, let me start by giving you the, the overview of how it's actually going to work. So there will be um, the VVV Season 1 NFT, which is the thing which we are talking about um, when we talk about the access to the individual deals and um, everything which you see at the moment, and holding that NFT is going to get you whitelisted for the BBB hedge fund NFT, and the price for the hedge fund NFT has not been um, disclosed yet, uh, mainly for the reason that I'm not 100% sure uh, about collection size and NFT price yet, um, because I want this to be um, as accessible for the small investors possible, but I also want to be sure that we don't um, have a too low of a barrier of entry because after all, it's a fund and you know, you should be in a position to actually um, mobilize, uh, you know, a certain amount of capital to participate. I don't think that like everyone should be in a, um, let me rephrase. Not everyone I think is, an investor, and we sh- we have to be careful about taking money from the wrong people. Um, you know, not not for the risk of the hedge fund not performing, but because this is a a long term play, and I don't want people with a short term mentality uh, in the fund. Um, that being said, there will also be a mechanism where people can get out early um, if they, you know, if they see that the speculation around the fund is at it's peak, for example, and they they feel like they can. Uh, uh, extract the liquidity right away Um, but before i get into this uh let me outline the the basic structure here of the of the fund Um, so there will be an nft drop uh, which gives you access and exposure to the fund and let's assume the price of the nft is going to be a thousand bucks then there will be a a respective collection size where we are going to raise for example a total of seven million bucks and then there will be half of the money which is going to be put into the hedge fund. And the other, other half of the money is going to be used to pay the team, to pay the board of directors, to pay for the expenses, to set up the fund, and so on and so on. So now you have like 1000 bucks in NFT price, and you have like $500 who are now directly invested into the hedge fund. And you had a, a total uh, mint uh, revenue volume of $7 million, for example, and now three point five. Make up the first basis of the hedge fund. So now what we do is we have the other half, which are the institutional investors, and they invest 3.5 million dollars as well. But they invest those 3.5 million dollars in fiat, and they have like <clears throat> approximately like a two percent fee on that 3.5 million. So um, they have to invest 3.5 million plus two percent uh, to get the 3.5 million into the hedge fund. So now we have a fund of seven million bucks. And that fund is now going to perform. We're going to pick the, you know, hopefully the right investments for everyone, and we're going to distribute the funds um, according to our best knowledge and according to um, the advice from our board of directors. And um, now you have uh, two different entities, in, and obviously they <coughs> they break down they break down in more detail differently. But you have now two different entities. You have the, the NFT side. For which you're gen- for which you're generating returns, and you have the institutional investors. And now, the the big upside for the NFT holders are a couple of different things. The the main thing for the NFT holders is the fee. Where when you look at the institutional investors, in <clears throat> when they invest into crypto funds, they are, they are very much used to a minimum of 20% in fees. On <clears throat> and and I'm speaking of 20% of fees on their returns, meaning. If someone invests a thousand bucks from those institutional investors and you generate uh, a 2x for them well now it's worth two uh, two thousand dollars, they are used to paying four hundred dollars in fees on that, which means they still have uh, six hundred dollars in profit and the reason why they're used to this is because in the conventional financial world um, you have like an average of you have average returns on regular funds of like 10% approximately. So, you know, it ranges from like 9 to 11%, 12% on average. You have some market outliers who are able to um, perform with like 20 30% returns. But I mean, you know, now we're talking about the absolute best of the best, like those who are outperforming the entire market. So these are like really unusual numbers. The average is like 10% of returns and then on that you have like 20% fees. And, you know, institutions are happy because it's very difficult to put your money into something currently where you get actually paid a, a sizable amount of interest on or where you get actual returns on it. Um, so now we have the, the other <clears throat> segment of funds, which are crypto funds. And if you look at the performance of crypto funds over the course of the past couple of years, if we start looking at them starting at uh, 2018, you will see they started out with an average return of 30%. So like right right from the get, they have outperformed the regular funds by 3x. So now we look at the performance in 2019, uh, I think it was like 40%. And then in 2020, it was 130%. So as crypto is picking up in its adoption, you can also see the performance of those crypto funds is is just going to be outrageous when you compare them to the regular funds. So the upside for anyone of those institutional investors being exposed to those crypto funds is going to be exponentially greater than by having your money in regular uh, hedge funds. And you can also see if you look at the performance of hedge funds uh, in the past couple of weeks you know, it's not good, right? Because the entire market is dipping. So the returns they have generated over the past 10 years, for example, if they only average at 10%, if they have one bad year, that can ruin the entire performance of the past 10 years just because the, the market movements have been, um, you know, very aggressively down. So there will be a lot more interest in getting exposure to crypto funds, not just because they have outperformed um regular funds but also because the upside going forward is just going to be exponentially greater uh, around uh, crypto and web3 so what we will see is more capital getting pushed into uh, crypto funds compared to regular hedge funds and you know there, there might be some delay here you know i'm not saying this is going to be happening tomorrow um, but i know uh, from various different uh, contexts which i have is that it's it's not going to be impossible and you know, in, in my opinion i think it's going to be fairly easy to raise 3.5 to 10 million bucks from institution investors for a crypto fund simply because looking at the historic performance of crypto funds it has been exceptional and um, given the current uh like trend on um, uh, sentiment around web3 and crypto like everyone wants to have some form of exposure to crypto. Even if they think that it's a scam, just based on the past returns people had, you know, no one wants to go around being not exposed to crypto at all. And if we talk about pension funds and insurance companies, you know, they have immense amounts of cash and they need to deploy it somewhere. And even if they only uh, deploy like 0.1% of their capital with us, you know, that's going to be enough to fill up the entire fund so i 'm not worried about finding those investors, and i 'm also um, aware that i 'm also aware of the fee model which they are used to, uh, which is very beneficial to us because now we can structure the fee model in a way where they start out with twenty percent fee on their returns, but we also um, um, we also structure it in a way where the more returns we generate for them, the higher the fees are going to be and that's beneficial for two reasons. One, we are now incentivized to actually, you know, hold true to what we said. Now we're incentivized to create uh, better and better returns because that's where we make the most money. The more money we make, and no, no, I'm not talking to the to the mm-hmm. institutional investors. The more money we make, we make you the more money we make, and I think that's the best possible agreement. And the structure some of the crypto funds use at the moment is, let's say, anything uh, below 50% returns has a 20% fee on it. Anything up to 100% return, uh, meaning a 2x, anything up to 2x has like 30% uh, fees. But anything above a 2x, for example, has 50% fees on it. Meaning, if someone invests a thousand bucks with you, and obviously with those institutions, we talk about bigger amounts of money, so let's say someone invests a million dollars with you and you turn it into three million dollars, then on the two million dollars delta, you have a 50% fee, meaning you made them two million bucks, but half of that goes to you and the other half of them goes to them. And they are still happy because they still have like a 100% return on their one million dollars, which is like uh, infinitely more than they would get in uh, in any other regular fund. So we make the institutions happy, we make ourselves happy. And now the big upside here is that that um, top performance from the crypto fund, you are exposed to it as well through that NFT. And the NFT does not come with a fee that's going to be paid on your returns. Any returns which you're generating from the exposure here from the NFT is 100% free. You get, if that 500 bucks turns into 5,000, You know, that's all yours and the the another big upside which you have is that a regular crypto fund runs, for example, for like anywhere between like three to seven years, and your capital is bound to that fund for that period of time. You have no means of actually getting the money out um, And with the nFT it's still the same, but the big upside you have is that the nFT on the open market is always going to reflect. You know, assuming you know, I cannot guarantee that that's going to hold true. But you know, assuming the market knows what we're doing, then the hedge fund NFT is also going to be. Uh, excuse me. The the value of that 500 bucks is also going to be reflected in the floor price of the NFT. Meaning, if if you follow the investments which we make with the fund, and we see the first returns, uh, but we're not distributing them yet. Let's say we invested. Uh, a million bucks in Orcuverse, for example, and at has the TGE and is trading at a 5X, you know, then it's very obvious that some of that value increase is going to be uh, proportionately uh, distributed to that NFT, right? And now you can do the math, and now you know, okay, my 500 bucks are now worth like 1,250 bucks. And you're not going to sit on an NFT, which has a value of, you know, a real-life value of 1,000 bucks, for example, and the floor price is going to be 500 bucks you know there will always be like a uh, a very good balance between the actual value and the floor price and what that means is that even even though the institutional investors are bound to the fund for like 3 to 7 years you always have the um the daily uh ability to get liquid anytime you choose to if you think hey uh you know there's too much hype around the fund and it looks to me like you know, I can already cash out without even having to wait until the, the profits get uh, get distributed in three to five years. You know, I can just sell the NFT and get my money out and take profits. And, you know, this especially becomes true um, when you hold more than one NFT, right? Because, you know, you, you could start out holding like 5 hedge uh, fund NFTs and then you see, hey, it's performing really well and there's a lot of hype and more people want to buy in. I can just exit one or two NFTs Get part of my investment out, and then you know see where the performance of the of the fund actually takes us. Uh, but guys, let me know if if I explained this uh, in a non confusing manner. If you were
0: able to follow me. Well, while we let them uh, type that up, I've got I had someone uh, Skellen asked me a couple of questions. Uh, he doesn't really know how to use Discord as of yet, so I'm going to give him a, <laughs> a one-to-one tour later on. Uh, but he's asked me a couple questions. First, regarding, has Sean and the team, uh, do they have a VC background? And then the second one is, I take this, we'll all be in a prospectus or some sort of document to read prior to launch.
1: Yeah, okay. So let me ask, answer the, the second question first. We will have like a, a, a prospectus for everyone to read, uh, not just for... Uh, shits and giggles, but also for you know legal means we need to educate everyone who is potentially investing with us before they can actually participate so there will be more than enough uh, documentation for you guys uh, to read um, before we launch this and now the the to answer the first question around, around the experience uh, you know my main my biggest strength is that i'm capable of surrounding me with the people who know everything which I don't know, uh, which I even don't want to know. I don't want to be an investing expert, I don't want to be uh, a hedge fund expert. I want to be surrounded with those who already have like 30, 40 years of experience in doing these things and who can give me the very best advice. And then from, you know, obviously this is a very biased opinion, but you know, if you look at the success I had in the past couple of weeks and months. And you know, building my own company and so on in the real world, you know, I can judge really, really well whether or not I'm getting bullshitted, or whether the advice I'm getting is actually the best advice possible. And you know, maybe I can point to the experience I had, you know, since I got into crypto. I mean, we signed like uh, four to five million bucks worth of soft agreements until now in the past six months. And if you look at all those investments. You know, most people would agree that these are some of these investments are pretty fire, and that the you know no matter how every single investment uh, works out, if you look at the average of all of them, I mean, we will probably be set up for a solid, you know, I don't know, like at least in in my opinion, at least a ten x. You know, I would be surprised if we if we're not generating more than ten ten x uh, on average of all the investments which we which we made, and you know, to me that doesn't account for experience, so you know my main concern is finding the very best people and that's where the board of directors comes in and i think for you guys to understand is that before we even touch on the cost of the nft for the hedge fund you will already know who is a part of it and what kind of names have attached themselves to what we're building and i think you guys are going to be blown away by the caliber of people which we bring to uh, to the table for this i mean and you know, I, I mean this in the, the most uh, polite way possible. But you know, we are not fucking around here. I mean, this is not like the typical NFT shit show where you're getting promised a, a ton of, of stuff and then it's not going to be delivered. You know, everything which I've said to the community over the course of the over the course of the past few weeks and months, like I delivered on everything, and I'm going to continue to do the same thing. And I've surrounded myself with people who do the exact same thing. If you look at Scrut and if you look at Inferno, these guys, you know, these guys don't talk a lot, but everything they say, they do. And Inferno, in my opinion, is one of the best sales guys which I've ever met. And who is... And, you know, this, this sounds pretty arrogant, but, you know, I, I'm stunned that he is better than me in closing people. And, you know, I'm super... I, I mean, I'm really, really good at closing people. I, You know, I closed Orki when... We really had nothing to offer them, and there's a lot of interest <laughs> around. Also, from like you know institutions like the U.S. military and the U.S. government, and we were the guys who uh, who got the allocation. Which you know, to me, is, in hindsight pretty ridiculous. But I'm you know when I'm on, on calls with those projects or you know with board members and so on, I, I'm super you know I, I'm super charming, and to me, it's very easy to close people and, and to to pull them into the Baltic, so to speak, of what I'm doing. But Inferno is even better, and you know he's even more audacious, and he's going for even bigger names. And you know, I I can't wait for the first couple of uh, interviews which we are going to have with those guys, and then we are going to screen the best of the best, and we are going to to get big names uh, uh, attached to what we're doing, and we are going to be able to rely on their expertise and on their rolodexes, which is going to allow us to build something where we have the capability to always make the best possible choices in the entire market, not based on what I know, but based on the things everyone around me knows. And I think that's the thing which is going to make us successful, uh, not the, you know, the shit which I know, because you know I pretty much know nothing, right? And I'm not afraid to say this, but I know how to get a hold of people who know the ins and outs of everything which I'm getting into. And then I'm relying on the advice of the best of the best, and on my own judgment and on my gut feeling on whether or not that's actually good advice. And, uh, you know, to me, um, that's the thing which is going to propel us and which is going to allow us to outperform everyone else.
0: Fantastic. I tagged you quickly, Exo, uh, in a question from Strider, kind of not, uh, numbering down uh, what's been discussed. Yeah. And there's another point made by Mochi Bones as well. And it's uh, the question is, is it fair to say that for a HF, so I guess hedge fund NFT investor through Triple V, they put in a thousand bucks and then half of that investment value goes towards the fund, i.e., 50% of a fee. Where then instead an institutional investor comes in, puts in a thousand bucks and could be as low as 20% of a fee. Is it fair to give the uh, community who's helped build this over the next? you know, 12 months to give them a 50% fee where then the institutional investors come in and could get as low as 20%. Yeah.
1: You're misunderstanding. um, But, you know, maybe it's my fault for not uh, communicating it clearly. So the institutional investor has only a 2% fee on the money he puts in, but he has up to a 50% fee on the returns he's generating, which means if he puts in a, a million bucks, or let, let's <clears throat> let me use the, the example of a, a thousand bucks because it's more, um, that's an easier comparison. So the institutional investor puts in a thousand bucks. He pays uh, twenty dollars in fees. So he has like nine hundred uh, bucks left, and now he gets a ten x return. So that that turns into like almost ten k. But now on the 10k, he has the 50% fee, and, and it ranges between 20 to 50% depending on on how much of a return we have generated. Um, but in the case of a 10x, it would be 50% fee, so he would have a total in 5k in fees on uh, the investment that, which he made, and in actuality, it would be 5,000 and the 20 bucks he initially paid on the fee. Now, if you look at someone who had the, uh, the who has the exposure through the NFT, he puts in a thousand bucks. He pays you know, a 50% fee on the initial investment. So now he has exposure of 500 bucks. He gets a, a 10X return. He gets 5K out. So he's on the same level as the guy, uh, as the institution investor. The thing which you have to keep in mind and which you have to understand is that we can launch the crypto fund tomorrow with the institution investors. It's literally not, a, not an issue for us to do this. So we need to have an incentive to actually build this for the community. And, you know, honestly, you know, I love the community and I I love doing shit for you, but I'm not going to do this for free. There needs to be some reward for everyone uh, who's building this. uh, And the reward for this is going to be cash. And it's going to be something which has never been done before. And it's something which is extremely difficult to do, especially when you want to do this in a way where you don't have to discriminate those people who cannot participate as institutional investors bringing in the small guy is going to come with an extraordinary amount of legal cost and it's going to come with an extraordinary amount of legal liability and scrutiny by the SEC and it's going to expose us as individuals and as a company to a lot of risks and you, know, you know, no matter how, how good it is we want to get, you know, I'm not going to take on all those risks for fucking free and I'm not going to work like 100, 120 hours per week just to, to do something good. We are not, uh, we are not running a, a charity, right? So you need to be aware that, yes, at the end of the day, you're going to get a, a very similar deal, similar deal as the institutional investor, but you have to keep in mind that, you know, you are not, so you're not, and it, it, I'm not saying this the right way, but you're not supposed to invest into those funds, right? There's a reason why the SEC exists and I'm not saying it's a good reason. I'm just saying there's a reason why in quotes you're being protected, and what we are doing is we are breaking down that protection, so to speak. Where you can now go out and get exposure to the same investments and you know upsides as the big guys. And yeah, I mean you will have to you will have to live with a, a certain amount of fees which come with that uh, if you want to participate in that. Uh, that being said. You know, you still have the uh, triple V season one NFT, which almost costs nothing where you can get the exact same uh, exposure to those individual deals uh, and you can um, move on your own behalf and you can make your own calls on, you know, where you want to invest and so on. And you will have no fees, nothing. The, the hedge fund NFT and the, uh, the institution investors are going to be powering, uh, you know, the VC side of BBB. Uh, because the 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 business model of what we're doing today is not really a business model, because you know we are running this thing for free. We have a one-time payment of you know point one five ETH, which you know depending on how, how the market goes is going to be like almost worthless uh, when it comes to the mint. Um, so you know, in order for us to become um, sustainable, uh, we will have to come up with an actual. Business model, and to me, the best solution for this is the model around the fund, where we have um, the uh, institutional investors who then give us the leverage to get better deals, to get into seed rounds, to get into like super, super early investments on much better terms than what we're getting at the moment. And you know, the, the terms that we get <coughs> currently, like for Snickerdoodle, that's you know still unheard of in in, in when you compare us to the launch, but but I also know that there already was a previous round for Sneaker Doodle and we didn't get in. <laughs> so, you know, I'm I'm always striving to get the very best deal possible uh, for us and for the community. And um, yeah, let me know if this answered your question uh, around the fund. Uh, if this, <clears throat> you know, if you if you think the, the fund is a fair deal, or if you you know think there's something which maybe is unfair, something which you can improve on. Um, you know something which maybe doesn't make sense to you and you know maybe before you provide me th- with uh, feedback let me outline uh, one more thing which I wasn't able to, t- to touch on yet and that's the uh, utility token and utility token is going to provide you uh, an additional avenue of value increase and of exposure to the crypto fund and the, the, uh, the token is going to come with two different upsides. So the token is going to be, um, and I'm not 100% certain yet about the way of how it's going to be distributed. Um, but eventually, uh, the hedge fund NFT holders are going to end up with a utility token. And that utility token is going to be partially backed by the actual real-life share value of that fund. And the value of the fund is going to be um, driven by, you know, in, in part by the the NFTs, which have uh, funded the first, um, you know, the, the first layer of, uh, of the capital, but also uh, to a big extent uh, by the institutional investors. And then the, the actual company value of the fund is going to be um, tied to the performance of the fund and then in in turn by the um fees which you are generating from the institutional investors so the better we perform the more fees we are going to generate from the institutional investors and the bigger the um the revenue from the fund is going to be the bigger the assets under management are going to be and overall the bigger the company value is going to be and then the um the share value uh, is going to be tied to you know, not the entire share value, but let, let's say like twenty percent of the company shares are going to be tied to the utility token. So the utility token is always going to be evaluated at the, you know, at the very least at the base value of the real life value of the hedge fund. And now, as an additional kicker, to empower the you know, and I I don't want to you know I don't mean this in a demeaning way, uh, but uh, as an additional kicker to empower the small guy, we will distribute the dividends from the hedge fund in a part to the utility token holders. As in, the utility token, more or less, is going to be like um, like a, a dil- diluted way of holding shares in the hedge fund and also a way of getting exposure um, to the hedge fund value and then also to the dividends, which are going to distribute uh, to the shareholders in general. So, the hedge fund uh, NFT is going to be like a super liquid way of having your money in and out of the actual fund. Then the utility token is going to be a super liquid way of holding shares of the fund. So you have two different types of exposures which you can get uh, if you're not minting the NFT, for example, but if you're minting the NFT, you will have, an um, you know, an This is not 100% confirmed, but that's the way I have, you know. and the reason why I'm saying it's not confirmed is because there might be legal reasons why we need to do it differently. But the way I have thought about it is that the guys holding the hedge fund NFT are going to get an airdrop of the utility token, meaning just by participating in the fund, you will get shares dropped off the actual fund and you will also benefit from the dividends which are going to get paid out from the hedge fund. And the important thing here to keep in mind is that the dividends which are going to get paid out, these are going to come 100% only from the institutional investors' money. So now we have breaking through uh, the circle jerk in crypto land where the money really just only goes around from one guy to the next one, and there's no new money coming in where now the actual money, which is going to be distributed um, to the investors and to the NFT holders comes from like fiat, uh, exposure from the, uh, institutional investors.